Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. Hello everybody and welcome to the 26th episode of Believe in the Long Run. I'm your host, Dom Santino. Welcome back. I know it's been a little while since we've had our last episode, but talking with the people in charge over at the Believe Podcast Network that we wanted to make sure that we weren't just throwing out some episodes to throw them out. We wanted to make sure that we had good quality content and the running industry has slowed down a little bit with no big races or anything going on. We are about two weeks out though from the London Marathon, so that would give us a little more content to talk about, but... I had a little talk with them and said, well, here's the deal. We can either have a bunch of episodes out there that's just me rambling or, you know, I have some things in the works for maybe some bigger podcast guests. And they said, well, why don't you wait till those come through? So here we are, episode 26. I am totally pumped about our guest. We do have a big name guest this week. And just before we get into that, I want to talk about make sure we go check out our social media you can find us on Instagram at Believe in the Long Run on Instagram and the Long Run Five on Twitter. That'll give you all the updates you need to need need to know either about who's going to appear on the show, when our episodes come out, any updates, anything associated with our podcast series. You'll be in the know if you follow those two social media sites. The other thing is also go like, subscribe, and share our podcast episodes on any of your favorite podcast platform. Those include ones like Google Play, Apple iTunes, Spotify, Stitcher, and of course, if you can't find it, you can always go to Believe.com and find it on our site there as well. Just search for Believe in the Long Run and you'll find all of our previous episodes. There's been many good ones that we've had in the past as well. But with that being said, we're going to move to our guest here and I told her in the interview and I'm going to say it again here in the intro we could spend a whole episode just talking about her accomplishments and there are numerous accomplishments to list but we're just going to name a few her name is Vanessa Frazier she went to the University of Stanford now is on the Bowerman track team but some of her accomplishments were she was a seven-time All-American. She finished fourth in the NCAA 5K her, as a graduate student in 2017 and 18, fifth in the USA, U.S. Championships. She was the Pac-12 10K champion, broke the Big Meat 3K record, the Cardinal Classic 1500 record, she sits fifth all-time on Stanford's list in the 1500, third all-time in the 5K, and fourth all-time in the 10K, multi-time All-American. She was number five DMR time in collegiate history, broke the school distance medley relay record, second, fastest second place DMR time in NCAA championship history, Third all-time in the mile, third all-time in the 3K, third all-time in the 5K. The list just continues on and on. And then, I mean, we look, we go to the, her times at Bowerman. She ran the 1500 the 3K in 854, and her time listed is 1507 for the 5K, but she'll tell you it's faster than that now, and you'll find out just exactly 
how fast that 5K time is. So like I said, there is numerous amounts of awards she's won, records she's smashed, time she's beat, and she has a really interesting story of how she got there and goes really in-depth. So I don't want to waste much more time. Let's get to the interview, so let's welcome Vanessa Frazier to the podcast. On your mark, get set. So I'll just start with the first question. What made you want to start running? I started running in third grade um, in a program called Girls on the Run. And I basically joined because everybody else, well, all the other girls in my class were doing it. So it was like the fun after school activity to be doing. And then I ended up falling in love with it and um, also kind of uh, getting a very early sense of my competitiveness and drive to you know keep getting better so that really fueled my fire from a young age basically starting back in third grade all right now this one this next question I can kind of relate to because I was in the same boat but you helped lead your high school to their first ever appearance in the state championships what was that experience like not only as a runner but just kind of like being the first time ever for your school? It was um, it was awesome. I mean, I think everybody can relate to um, just getting to run in a championship as a team versus an individual is such a different experience, and it's just so much more fun when you can do it with your whole team. And I remember my freshman year, my it was just my older teammate and I that made it to state, so it was nice that I had a buddy my freshman year at state, but then when I could bring, you know, all seven along with, um, just totally different experience and so much more exciting to share with everyone. And I think, um, you know, my school is like a, my high school is a relatively, um, newer school, I guess. I think it was started in like 1998. Um, and so like just getting to be, you know, a part of history of finally getting the program to a point where we were competitive at the state level was obviously really exciting and I think um, hopefully helped set the ball in motion for future generations of the team. And I know, like, the the boys' team, um, were, they finished second at state last year. And, you know, even though it wasn't the girls' team, I still feel like it's really – I have a lot of pride watching my old high school um, cross country teams do well and continue to be competitive over the years. And hopefully I had some, you know, role, role in, um, getting that ball going. Yeah, absolutely. No, it makes, yeah, I feel that the same way too. I still have pride in my high school, even though I'm not there anymore. Yeah, um, totally. Yeah. So you also, while in high school, got to go to the new balance nationals where you broke 17 minutes. That's mm-hmm. pretty impressive. How was that? What was that experience like? I was so naive and just about, you know, competing at the national level in high school because that was the only national competition I ever did. And I never, um, I never, I tried, but didn't make it to footlocker cross country nationals and never got invited to NXN and had never done another national track competition. So just being, that was kind of like my first and only national experience I really just went into it um wanting to soak it up and 
and have fun and didn't really have any expectations. And that was my first 5K that I ever did on a track. Obviously, in high school, you do 5K cross country all the time. But um, it was, again, just a new experience doing that event on the track, no expectations. And um, I think that's kind of the best situation to be in sometimes because then you can just, um, you know, focus on competing and focus on having fun. And at the end of the day, I think that's when you perform your best is when you're just focused on, um, on racing and, and not like getting caught up in the pressure or the hype around big races. And so, yeah, that's exactly what I did. And, um, I was super pumped to break 17 minutes and it's funny to look back on now, you know, each barrier in the 5K has been really exciting, whether it was breaking 17 minutes then, breaking 16 minutes my sophomore year of college, or breaking 15 minutes for the first time this year. Um, you know, each of those milestones were kind of equally as exciting. So I think in high school, being able to do that um, was, I guess, kind of my start in, in that event on the track. Yeah, you know, you make a good point. I think no matter really whenever it is and wherever it is, distance, time, whenever you beat that goal or that PR that you have, it's always exciting no matter. It it could not even be that good of a race, but just getting to that PR that you set, it's Uh always a good feeling in the end. Yeah, absolutely. For people that are familiar with college distance running, there's some colleges that come to mind that are Mm – towards the elite and Stanford is one of them. How did you find Stanford University? Um, you mean like how did I discover it? Or, yeah, or what made you choose to go to Stanford? So um, I grew up about um, 30 miles south of Stanford and um, my co- or my mom's cousin played football there in the late 90s and my dad went there so I did have some family ties to the school already and grew up like going to those football games when I was really young and um, watching Stanford sports on TV and just kind of naturally developing an affinity for it and becoming a Stanford sports fan. And, um, you know, it was probably when I was like eight years old that I came up with this dream that I wanted to go there one day, but I had barely even discovered running at that point. I was just getting into it and did not even think about, you know, running in college probably until um, eighth grade. The summer before I started eighth grade, I went to the Nike Stanford cross country camp that they have up there every summer. And that was when the dream to run there really started is the college athletes are counselors there and the coaches um, help out at the camp and, just watching them was um, so inspiring, listening to what they had to say. And it's mostly a high school camp. So being an eighth grader there, I was like um, way behind where everybody else was and probably like the slowest kid at camp, but I was still really inspired. And I was like, I think, I think I really want to run here one day and like merge the dream of running in college with this dream to go to Stanford. And so throughout high school, Um, I continued to look up to the athletes and I would like look up um, their uh, like athlete bio that they had on the Stanford website and like write down what their stats were in high school and 
and kind of keep a running log of like, okay, like if they did this in high school, I need to do this. And then maybe I'll be good enough to make it there one day. And, you know, really started following it and um, realizing what a rich tradition of distance running they've had there over the years um, and really appreciated that. And so, yeah, it was a long, long standing goal um, to make that happen. And um, I was obviously like one of the biggest dreams come true when um, I found out that I was going to go there. Yeah, it sounded like since eighth grade you were really dedicated in trying to get there, which yeah. <laughs> is always yeah, a good thing. So yeah, it paid off in I the mean, end. I tried to. Uh, I really tried to keep my options open and keep an open mind. Of you know, there's obviously a lot of other good schools and a lot of other good running programs, and um, you never know what's going to happen. But. I, I was very, very driven on trying to make it work. <laughs> well, I mean, that, you know, they always tell you to have your one dream school, and obviously Stanford was that number one. Right, right. Yeah, it's important to have that dream. Um, I mean, I could spend a whole podcast episode just talking about some of the success you've had, but what do you think really has contributed to all that excess? Is it training, certain coaches, all of it? Yeah, I think... Um, I would say I would give so much credit to the coaches that I've had both in high school and college um, and now professionally. And I've been so lucky to be able to say I've, I've never had a bad coach. And all of my coaches really have genuinely been, I think, personally invested in my you know, individual growth and success. And they really fostered that in a smart way that, um, was in favor of my long-term development rather than trying to produce short-term success. And, um, you know, I, I, I really, really believe that I wouldn't be where I am or I wouldn't have accomplished things that I did without that guidance, um, not just from a training standpoint, although that was really important too, that, you know, I was never, um, I was never overtrained, especially in my younger developmental years. I was more conservatively trained, but still putting in, um, you know, really good strength-based work over the years that builds off each other over time. Um, so that, of course, has a role. But I think just um, the the mentorship that I received from those coaches, and you know, the things they said to me time after time when I was, you know, younger and didn't necessarily see my potential and they could see it from a bigger picture and really encourage me that, you know, I had a future in the sport and that they really believed in me and encouraging me to really believe in myself and, you know, think big and dream big for what was possible for myself in the sport. And, um, I think, having a coach that really believes in you and really feeling that they believe in you and like seeing it, um, is like one of the most important things. And so, you know, self-belief is as well, but getting that from a coach is like, um, you know, money in the bank, especially when you're young and you don't necessarily, you know, even have the wherewithal to understand what it means to be good in the sport or to, personally see your own potential yet um so I have to give you know a lot of credit to my high school coach and 
Chris Meltenberg, my college coach, and um, Liz DeBull, also uh, a coach in college, um, they all had such a significant role in that. I mean, yeah, I think you're right on with that. Every college kid or high school kid has so many, you know, a lot of they set the bar pretty high for themselves and have a lot of dreams. But when that coach can see it in you and either agrees with your dreams or thinks you can achieve more, it just the reassur- the reassurance is like the biggest thing. I, I totally agree with that. Yeah, definitely. So we talked about briefly your you know, you've had an influence at the high school level with your high school teams. We met hinted at the success that the University of Stanford has had in the distance program, but you set top five all time for some of Stanford's records and you set some college track meet records. What does that mean to you looking back now? It's definitely something that I never, ever would have thought I would do. I mean, coming in as a freshman at Stanford, I was not even, you know, in the top seven for the cross country team. So, you know, I started out just, you know, having the goal of eventually being top seven on the current team um, and to travel for cross country, um, you know, let alone being able to set top five all time times would have never been something that crossed my mind. And I think, again, there's power in that where, you know, I didn't have these crazy expectations. I was more focused on the day to day process of just trying to get better um, and improve a little bit each day and get to the next step and the next level. Um, and eventually, you know, over the course of five years, if, if you're focusing on that process every day, that can really add up. So, you know, by the time I was running those really fast times and, and playing a part in the record books, I mean, it's, um, it's definitely, feels like a huge accomplishment given the, the history of amazing runners that Stanford has. And I also think it's a testament to who my teammates were at the time because, you know, they were rewriting the record books along with me, you know, Elise Cranny and Christina Aragon and Fiona O'Keefe. They're all, you know, running top five all-time times um, alongside me. And I think that just shows how much um, – culture of a team and being surrounded by really good runners like helps you perform your best as well and I'll never forget when I ran um I ran 410 in the 1500 at uh I think it was Cardinal Classic Outdoor my fifth year in 2018 and Christina and Elise paced me through 12 or I think almost 1200 meters like perfectly right on and we just had that kind of um dependability among our teammates and that kind of chemistry where we would jump to the opportunity to help each other run fast. And, you know, that just worked so well from a cultural standpoint and, um, yeah, it allowed us to run really fast. So I'm definitely honored to be alongside those people in the record books. And, um, and, you know, it's amazing to think the elite company that you're in, not just from my time there, but from, previous generations at Stanford as well. Yeah, it's definitely uh, a pretty outstanding feat. Is there one memory or maybe a couple memories that stand out? Maybe it's that 
1500 or something else mm -hmm. that stands out at your time at Stanford more than any other? I think, um, I think a lot of the, yeah, that 1500 does stand out. And sometimes that I helped pace other teammates stands out just because again, like I said, there's something really special about this excitement and desire to help each other out and help each other run fast and to play off of each other. Um, but I think the most standout memories are probably the, uh, the two distance medley relays that I was a part of, um, in, in indoor track in 2017 and 2018 when we were second both years at indoor NCAAs by like 0 0.02 one year and 0 0.03 the other year. Um, I mean, there's nothing like running a relay and again, that team experience um, that you get to have in college and to be so close to winning was obviously really bittersweet, but um, also, you know, still a great accomplishment. So the, yeah, those relay memories are always going to be special. And then um, Pac-12s were at Stanford, my, you know, my last, my last season there and um, getting to win the 10K at that meet on the home, my last race in the Stanford jersey on my home turf, at least, um, was a really special way to have my last, <laughs> my last Stanford race. I mean, we had um, nationals left, but my last home meet, um, what, that was really special memory. Yeah, those, it always seems like those are the best memories when it lines up that way, where you can have one of your last meets be at your home course. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah. So how did you come to sign with the Nike Bowerman team? I uh, really looked into all different brands and professional teams and talked to a bunch of agents and just made sure that I gathered as much information as I could about the professional running scene and, and talking to people was so helpful and um, helping me figure out what I wanted and what was a good fit for me. And I, uh, Jerry Schumacher, our coach at Bowerman, was the last coach that I talked to and connected with. And after I talked to him, I just had a really good feeling that he was going to help me reach my potential. And, you know, I was lucky and honored to feel like he was really excited about my potential. And again, like I said, having a coach that you feel like, really believes in you and really sees your potential is so important. And when I got that sense from him on the phone and just got that, like that intangible, like excited fire burning feeling of like, Oh my gosh, we could really do something special here. Um, I knew that I was really interested in that opportunity. And of course coming from Stanford where it was a really uh, talented team that I was running with and knowing the power of having really good teammates, push you I saw that environment and thought that that would be you know it can be a tough environment at times um but at the end of the day I think it really helps bring out you know the best in yourself and helps push you to be your best so it was you know it has to be a, a mutual selection where Nike wants to sponsor me Jerry wants to coach me and then obviously I have to want to join the group and luckily all those pieces fell into place and, you know, once I knew that they were going to give me a contract and Jerry was really excited about coaching me, it was a pretty, 
it was a pretty easy decision. Um, so, yeah. So I think the theme, I think I know where you're going to go with this next one. And I think the theme of your, your answers are supporting your teammates, but your first year with Nike, you had two teammates shatter American records. Mm-hmm. What was that experience like? And I feel like you're going to go along with the, just the whole teammate situation. Yeah. Just that it's, you know, it is really inspiring to see, you know, if, if your teammates are doing that under Jerry's training and by training with each other, I think it just makes you feel like, okay, um, you know, I don't know if I'm going to break an American record one day or not, but it, it makes me feel like I could really do something special here if, if they're doing that. And that was kind of my first experience um, with Bowerman was that I spent a week in Switzerland with them that summer when I turned pro and then saw Courtney break the American record in the steeple and was in the race that Shelby broke the record in the 5k. And, um, you know, yeah, I think it was just a really nice way to start out my pro career. Um, because well, one, I realized like how much work there was to be done in order to even keep up with them in any way in workouts. Um, but, yeah, like I said, just the possibility that that made me feel, um, you know, like I could be doing something special one day too. Yeah, it's almost back to the reassurance thing. Like you know that the results are going to pay off if you put the work in. Right, exactly. Um, now, was there any struggles transitioning to the pro level? I know I read something about you had to up your mileage even more. Mm-hmm. Um, I think I think I read something. You were running maybe sixty-ish miles a week in college, and it was up to seventy, eighty at the pro level. Is that right? Yeah, maybe like sixty-five-ish in college, and um, more like seventy my first year as a pro, and then yeah, seventy-five to eighty my second year as a pro. And so, I mean, there's the mileage increase, but also the workouts in general were just a big jump in volume and intensity. You know, you're, you're used to doing for your threshold mile repeats in college, you're used to doing like four, maybe five of them. And now that same kind of workout is, um, you know, eight to 10 mile repeats at the same pace or faster. So just kind of even that comparison of, the workouts being longer and harder and the physical toll that that takes on you when you make that kind of transition. Um, you know, everybody says it it takes, it takes a while for your body to adjust to that. And then for it to be able to pay dividends in races takes a while because for the first, you know, everybody's different. And I feel like for me, it was the first 12 to 18 months. You're just, um, you're just a little bit broken down physically and that's just part of the process, but you're not able to really reap the benefits quite yet in races because you're just so tired. And so there's definitely that physical adjustment and then, you know, mentally that can wear on you too. Like, um, you know, you, you try to be patient, but you're racing and training with some of the best in the world. And there's, you know, clearly a gap between you and those people and so you start to wonder like when is this going to start paying off and you know I'm exhausted and (laughs) you know it just breaks you down a little bit mentally too 
Um, but having that trust and getting reassurance from teammates that like it takes a while and everybody kind of adjusts to it differently, but you know, it easily can take 18 plus months for things to really click. Um, it was so helpful to get that reassurance from them. And then I finally did have a breakthrough basically about 18 months into the training this past February and really being able to see like how that work comes together over time, um, you know, validates, <laughs> validates those, um, those hard times where you're feeling pretty broken down. Yeah. When you see it pay off, that's always the best. Totally. Um, totally. Now you talk about running with the best and working with the best. This may not be so much directly in contact with you, but just with the Nike Bowerman track te- or team in general, what does it mean to have someone like Shalane Flanagan on the staff? It is like so crazy and surreal sometimes if you step back and think about everything that she accomplished in her career and all the experience that she's had and the fact that that's that knowledge and experience is at our disposal and also that you know she's really excited to help us achieve big goals um I mean I feel so lucky to have her in that role um you know I know especially in the later years of her career when she was like the veteran on the team she was kind of playing that role already, but now that that's her full-time job um, is basically to help us be the best we can be. And she's coming to the table with all that competitive experience, you know, Olympic medal and a major marathon victory. It's like, doesn't get much better than that. And to be able to step on the line with the confidence that like she's on your team and like has your best interest in mind, um, I mean, I think that that's, that alone is like an extra confidence boost when you line up to race, you know, the best people in the country. Definitely uh, stacks up there with your great list of coaches, doesn't it? Absolutely. (laughs) So I was looking at your, going through your social media a little bit when I Mm -hmm. got in contact with you. I saw you had surgery recently just after the Olympics were postponed. Can you kind of explain what happened and kind of update on what's going on right now? Mm-hmm. I basically developed some pain in my, uh, like in the insertion of my right Achilles back in January of 2017 when I was in college. And um, it was a slow decline basically ever since then. So basically three years I was dealing with pain and it was just getting worse and worse each year. And, um, I, I started getting basically an identical pain in my left heel six months after I first started feeling it in my right heel. So, um, this past year, especially, um, you know, I'd been training at the professional level for a while and that had really taken a toll on it and made it a lot worse. Just the, um, the intensity and the stress, what I was putting my heels through, I had chronic Achilles insertional tendinopathy. So basically, you know, a ton of inflammation in there and micro tearing, um, that really wasn't going to go away because simultaneously I had what they call Haglund's deformities on my heel bones, basically bone spurs growing on my heel bones that were 
jabbing and rubbing into the insertion of the Achilles tendon, causing it to continue to fray and tear. And then the bone is really swollen and it's just like a very vicious cycle of chronic inflammation that is pretty hard to manage. And I tried a bunch of different short-term remedies and therapies for it that would kind of help band-aid my way through training cycles and racing seasons. Um, But it does become pretty like exhausting to be dealing with that level of pain all the time. Um, especially in both feet, uh, especially when we're just like running as much as we are. So I always kind of knew in the back of my mind, especially in the past year and a half or so that I would get surgery one day for it. Cause you can't really address the problem unless you, um, chop off those bone spurs. So I was just going to wait until the Olympic year was over and then maybe try to address it. So once postponement was announced I figured this was the best window to try to get a long-term solution so they essentially um you know sliced off those bone spurs and then also cleaned up all the tendon tearing that was in there sounds quite painful (laughs) it was extremely painful running was not fun for me you know it was very much a chore to get through that level of pain every day so well, I can very much relate to anybody running through pain now. <laughs> on the bright side, you're on the rebound now, rehabbing, right? Yeah, yeah. It, um, it was a successful procedure, and um, it, given that I was on both feet and pretty significant work was done in there, it has taken a while to rehab it, but... Um, you know, four months post-operation now and running a significant amount and doing track workouts and feeling pretty good. So I would say so far, knock on wood, that it's been, uh, it's been a success. That's good to hear. So what's your plans going forward? I'm guessing Olympic trials, obviously next year, but do you have anything else besides, I mean, obviously coming back from the surgery and stuff? Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah, the big focus is the Olympic trials in June and just wanting to be, you know, my absolute best um, on the day in June. And I think I'll probably end up doing both the 10K and the 5K at the trials. So kind of an interim focus for me is to, to have my 10K debut, hopefully late winter, early spring this upcoming year. I'm really excited about that. Jerry thinks I have a lot of potential in the 10K Um, I also still love the 5K and think I can get better in the 5K as well. But I'm excited to really give the 10K an honest shot. I've never run a fast 10K. I've only been in a tactical one, like back in college. So that's kind of the the interim goal before the trials is to just get ready to try to run a good 10K. And, you know, this fall, my main focus is to continue to – build back from the surgery and build this really strong base um, through December that, you know, come 2021, I'm really ready to hit the ground running. And um, yeah, we'll just have to see what happens in June. Well, let's hope there's no pain and everything stays on schedule and hopefully, (laughs) hopefully it'll be okay. 
Absolutely. That's the goal. So I know the focus for now and at least for the foreseeable future is obviously your running career, but you got your degree in management, science, and engineering. What did you kind of see or what do you maybe eventually see using that degree for? That is definitely the, uh, the question that I'm still trying to figure out. And um, one of the, well, I, in undergrad, I studied uh, symbolic systems, it's called, which is a combination of computer science and psychology. And then my master's was in management science and engineering, which is essentially a business degree. Um, but it kind of, it's kind of interdisciplinary as well. And it incorporates topics from other fields. And I think I mostly chose those degrees because I felt like they would give me a lot of freedom of, of different career paths I could take in the future. Um, so yeah, I was always somebody who, um, did not have a specific idea in mind of what I wanted to do. And I feel like talking to a lot of my peers who have, you know, recently graduated college in the last couple of years, it's actually a pretty common sentiment of, you know, like it's hard to know exactly what you want to do right out of college. And there are people who do have a more like set path. And I'm kind of envious of that because that sounds um, pretty nice to be sure about. But um, yeah, I think I'm going to end up having to explore a little bit, but something that maybe relates to business and psychology um and also you know maybe sports too okay so when you're not running and you can get some free time what do you enjoy doing other than the running aspect i really just enjoy like hanging out with you know teammates my roommates sean and elise who are on bowerman with me um and like we do a lot of game nights um or like going out to eat which is obviously hasn't been happening too much during this time but now more so like going out even if it's like outdoor dining or whatever just kind of the simple things that um just fun to relax and unwind after all the training um so yeah, <laughs> it's pretty simple, but it's nice. It's all right. It's things you don't really have to think about too much. Yeah, exactly. Like, it's good to have that um, mental recovery time. Mm-hmm. Yep. What, one final question, and I've kind of started like asking this question. What is one thing that you have taken away from running? That is a really good question. Um. I think the biggest thing that I've learned is um, just, like, well, it's important to have goals, obviously, but also to to never, um, I guess, <laughs> I'm trying to think how to say it, like, like, no matter what your expectations are from for yourself, like you could really surprise yourself um, if you let it happen. So, you know, don't be limited by expectations, I guess, that you have for yourself or that you feel like other people have for you. 
Um, and kind of like anything is possible if you really commit to the process and believe in yourself. I'd agree with that. That's a good one. All right. Well, Vanessa, thank you for taking time out of your schedule to come join us on the podcast. Yeah, thanks for having me. No problem. Once again, we'd like to thank Vanessa Frazier for taking time out of her busy schedule to join us here on the podcast. And I also want to just mention, uh, I apologize for any background noise that might have been picked up. There's two little spots where a car and some background noise were picked up. And I didn't want to edit it out because Vanessa had so many good things to say. So please disregard those two little things. I'll work on it next time. I tried a new recording spot and it picked up those two little noises on the microphone. So just listen to what Vanessa has to say and pay attention to that. And hopefully you won't even pay attention. But I wanted to apologize if you did pick those up. It was great talking to her. Great to get to know her a little bit better. And we definitely look forward to her training going forward. Hopefully everything stays together and she stays healthy and can continue to run. And as I told her, the biggest thing is hopefully everything stays on schedule for her training. So we'll keep an eye on her, watch her as she goes. And as it gets close to Olympic trial times, really hone in on what she's doing. And hopefully she can make the Olympic team as well. So thanks Vanessa for once again for joining us. Guys, we're just going to tell you to go follow our podcast on social media. Remember at believe in the long run on Instagram and the long run 5 on Twitter. Follow either one of those to stay up to date with what's going on with our podcast series and make sure you like, share and subscribe to our podcast channels either on Apple iTunes, Spotify, Google Play. Stitcher, or any of your favorites, or if not, you can always just go to Believe.com, search Believe in the Long Run, and you can find us there as well. That's going to wrap it up here for episode number 26. We'll try to keep the ball rolling with more big-time guests. Thank you for listening today, and stay safe. Get out there, go get your run in, and we'll talk to you soon. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.